Welcome and greetings, career-minded superstars. You are listening to the exclusive Career Coach, your podcast for all things career. And I'm Lisa Edwards, the indispensable career coach for superstars just like you. Now let's dig into this week's topic, shall we? Hi there. I want to tell you about my webinars that are going to be coming up every month. I want you to check out my website and see what this month's webinar topic is and sign up. The format is going to be the same every month, even though the topics are going to change. It's going to be a huge variety of career-related topics. I'm going to give you a deep dive into content about that topic for about 30 minutes, and then you're going to have a chance for 30 minutes of Q&A in the chat box while I'm, I'm teaching you. You can ask me a question, and then if you're really brave, and I hope you will be, you can be volunteered to coach live on that month's topic. So you can raise your hand and I'll coach you. I want to give you that URL so that you can go to my website, see what the next topic is and sign up. So go to http colon backslash backslash. Nope. So go to my website at exclusivecareercoaching.com forward slash webinar sign up see what this month's topic is, see when and, and, and what time it is, sign up and uh, and get in there and participate with me. I look forward to having you there. Thanks. Greetings, everyone. I have a special guest with me today. Um, her name is, well, it's Gloria Reed now. It was Gloria Dern back when I knew her. She was actually my, what was it, second intern that I ever had when I was up in Northeast Missouri at Truman State University. And so I'm going to let her introduce herself. Gloria, tell us about you. I'm Gloria, just like you said, one of your second interns, and I am currently the system vice president for human resources in our health business group at a large healthcare organization here in St. Louis. And tell us a little bit about how you came to that position since you, tell me, when did you graduate again? Oh, gosh. I have to think about that. Oh, <laughs> 2005. And so this has been, oh my gosh, 13, almost 13 years since you graduated. What does that path look like for you? So I started my career right out of the career center at Target Corporation, working in their store systems, first as an operational leader and then moving into their HR team. I was at Target for a couple of years and then moved into a small startup home healthcare organization here in St. Louis area where I was their whole HR department. So I went from a company of thousands and thousands <laughs> to one of about a hundred people. We built it to almost 200 before I left. Um, same thing with HR and HR team and company of hundreds upon hundreds of people to me being the only one. So I was wow. in a organization for about five years. It was an amazing experience. I was surrounded by great, passionate people who were incredibly supportive and let me build a process where we didn't have one and build a system where we didn't have one. So they are still up and functioning today, but I, I outgrew that position a bit. Um, it was a great place to be and great people to work with, but was ready for something different. So I moved to where I am now in what was then an HR consultant role, working more on that OD leadership development side. From there, moved into a leadership and very much a generalist position, and then a more senior, almost a regional, regional director, if you will. Our titles all have those weird HR names attached to them, but really a regional director position, and then moved into this vice president role just a couple months ago. 
Excellent, excellent. And what we want to talk about today is really those sort of hiccups that you have seen repeatedly from primarily the millennials who are getting right out of college. And, and one of the conversations that we've had, and certainly I've had it with many people, is that um, while very well prepared academically and sort of intellectually, um, college in general, not just millennials, but just college in general maybe doesn't always do the greatest job of, of rounding the student out and really preparing them for life after college in terms of, you know, the soft skills that you need and the, and the things that you need to be successful in the work environment. Um, have you experienced that as well? Very much. <laughs> So if you want to tell us kind of your top, maybe, I don't know, three or, or, or however many things that you're seeing, tell us what are you seeing that, that, um, that you would love to, you know, have folks fix, if you will. Sure. So I think one of the biggest ones, kind of that root of it all, is you have to learn the new environment that you're in. So college is a very individually driven environment. You pick your classes, you set your schedule, you decide if you're going to read and study through lunch or if you're going to take a nap and then wake up later. You really have a lot of control and autonomy over what you want to do. And you lose a lot of that in a workplace. Um, and a lot of my experience is in a pretty traditional workplace setting. There are IT companies and creative companies out there that operate differently. Right. But in general, once you move from a college campus into an organization, into a company, the less autonomy you have over what your work looks like, what your work day looks like, sometimes what your schedule looks like, you don't get to pick all of your own goals starting out of the gate. <laughs> so how do you see that affecting people as they get into the work? And what's sort of the, what's sort of the downside of that, that shift that they're making? If people don't expect it, it can be uh -huh. really discouraging. If you know to expect it and you know that that's what's coming. So people that have had good internships see that coming. Yeah. They another know, value of internships. Right, another value of that internship. If you've had some good work experiences, that culture shock is less significant. Where I see most of it are the people that didn't work through college, either through an internship program, a part-time job, something. Something, you're yeah. Learning how to work with other people who are setting your rules and your guidelines and your expectations for you. And I think that's an interesting point because I don't think that when they're in the thick of it, most college students would consider themselves to be autonomous. They would think that their schedules are so locked and loaded and so tight, and yet it's just, they just don't know how good they have it, do they? No, not at all. <laughs> Even when it's midterms or finals, it's still, it's still, there's more autonomy. Right. And so I finished my MBA not long ago. And I remember living back in that midterm world, thinking, I really wish this was the only thing I had to do today. <laughs> and it is intense and it is hard. And I don't want to downplay that at all because it is. And that Absolutely. experience is one like none other. But it's a very different experience than working in the workplace. Absolutely. So just really another call for those work experiences, those internships, those part-time jobs that give you a legitimate taste of what the real world is going to be like. I think 
pretty much gone. I hope gone are the days where internships are nothing more than making copies and getting coffee. And when you can find one that is really substantive, and I know to kind of tag onto that, Gloria, you saw at Truman State University, which is where I worked and she was a student, uh, our program in the Career Center, our student employment program was set up with the goal of giving substantive work experience to not just the interns, but the hourly employees and even the ones who were working there, they had to actually work there for free as part of a scholarship, but we made sure they were getting real world experience and that wasn't the case everywhere on campus, was it? Correct. There were other jobs on campus that did not require that element of rigor and really learning how to work collaboratively with people that are different than you are, that have different priorities and different goals. You didn't get that in every position on campus. Yeah, it was interesting to see that some of the faculty and, and staff on campus, their, their philosophy was these college students are, it's really hard to go to school here and they're not getting paid. They're, they're on scholarships. So they shouldn't have to actually work. And I think that I, I know I was one standing on the rooftop kind of preaching just the opposite of that. Well, and to me, and this goes really through being successful in your first role out of college, all of your roles out of college, the harder you work, the more you learn. And yes. So if your goal is to coast, okay, but you're not going to learn very much. You have to put hard work in to get value back out. Absolutely. I was just listening to my coach, uh, her podcast on this, and she was talking about uh, in her early days before she became an entrepreneur, she worked for Hewlett Packard. And she talked about, you know, she was ordering printer parts, you know, it, it's not a very glamorous job. And, but she was determined to double down and do the very best job she could in that role, not for her employer, although there was a piece of that, obviously, she wanted to, to please her employer, but she wanted to do it so that she could feel really good about herself and that she felt like she was giving the most value that she possibly can that anybody had ever given in that job. And it has paid off in spades in her career. Exactly. Okay. So welcome to the real world where you don't get to decide when you um, go to lunch even, or even sometimes if you get lunch and naps um, are not an option, generally speaking, what's number two? So I think along those same lines of the more you get in, the more you're going to put out, show up early, be the one that's willing to stay late. So find the people in your environment that you can learn from mm -hmm. and soak up everything you can. So if you decide, and again, I coming from the perspective that people aren't in a toxic situation, right? That maybe you're, your job that you're assigned to feels a little bit boring. Like it's something that you could do very easily. It's not challenging for you. That's not the time to jump somewhere else. Look for what else you can do. Look for what problems you can solve. If the job you have comes easily, great. Now you can do more. Ask for more and that's right. okay too. And if your boss says, this is really what I need you to do, okay, talk to your coworkers. Learn from them. There are other people in that environment who are quite often from what I've seen, when someone says, so what do you do? Like, help me understand what your role is and how it has an impact and how does my job have an impact on your job? That's a great conversation starter. People quite often are passionate about the work that they do and they're willing and want to share that. 
but workplaces aren't set up to foster those conversations all the time. So, so you've got to ask. Absolutely. And any boss worth his or her salt is going to welcome someone saying, give me more responsibility. How can I take something off of your plate for you? What can I do to make your life easier? Mm -hmm. Exactly. And I, I don't know why, but it seems like, um, millennials, young, young employees, people who are new to the workforce, either it doesn't occur to them to ask that question of their boss or they think they're not supposed to. And I don't know where that comes from, but have you experienced that? They just don't even know they're supposed to do that. I think it's a don't know that you're supposed to, right? You don't know what you don't know. And to your point, any boss worth their salt is going to start seeking out and pulling out that conversation. The flip side of that is, depending on how big that manager's scope is, if a problem's not on their radar, right? <laughs> so that has to go a little bit of both ways. Absolutely. Yeah. But just that notion of saying, you know, I, I, I'm thinking about a, a fairly young client that I worked with last year who lives over um, in the Orlando area. And she had gotten a new job, was new to the company. And we did a lot of coaching around how she could approach her boss. Uh, I think she had kind of two bosses. Um, she was in human resources uh, and how she could approach them to take on more responsibility and get, you know, kind of be able to move up, be positioned to move up. And um, I, again, I think that's something that a lot of folks don't think they're supposed to do. Yeah. And so I think the other pieces that come with that, where I see people struggle is if you don't know what you're doing, you have to vocalize that too. Yes. Given an assignment that you aren't sure how to do, you have to be clear about that. Don't just guess at what your boss wants and hope it turns out. Okay. Right. Don't understand the instructions. If you don't understand the goal, if you don't know what success really looks like for that project, make sure you get that clarity before you just produce something that doesn't meet those needs. I think that's a beautiful point, Gloria. And a couple of things that come up for me, and one is, um, as you know, I'm a, a master practitioner of the Myers-Briggs Type Indicator, which is a personality inventory. And I was, I was training a group of um, command staff for the sheriff's office in uh, a county about two hours away from here on Friday. And that sort of issue came up of, you know, the difference in the boss's personality is going to affect how he or she is going to give the instructions and the employee's personality is going to affect how they're going to hear the instructions and also how they're going to do the task. Yes. And so getting that on the same page is so critical. And the other thing that I was thinking of as you were saying that was if you're not sure get a little bit of it done and then schedule a meeting with your boss so that you make sure you're moving in the right direction because you want to make that correction if you need to make it sooner rather than later. Exactly. I think that's a beautiful thing. So um, I, I think what happens with 22 year olds is that they're afraid to ask that question. They, they think they should already know it or um, that, I don't know. I think that their self-confidence sort of comes into play. It does. It takes a lot of courage. And so I know when I hire somebody new on my team or when I'm asking them to do something new, I don't typically expect us to get it all right the first time. I expect us to embrace it and learn from what we, from where we made the mistakes and to not really repeat those mistakes. But most bosses don't expect you to get it right the exact, 
the exact way on your very first time ever. No, I didn't say it's fantastic if you do, but especially at that new graduate level, right? Not always, right? A new graduate level, then. Yeah, and I think I think that you will have some projects and some bosses who will kind of say, "Here's the end goal. You figure out how to get there." And then you'll have some projects and yes. some bosses where there will be a very clear path and very clear instructions, and you are expected to follow the rules. Yes. And for some bosses, you might find projects that fall under both scopes, depending on what the work is. Exactly. Exactly. All right. So what else do you have for us? So the other one, I think fits right in with that too. It's seeking feedback. And I say that I, I do not like when people come in, they're just like, I just want your feedback about my performance. It's too general. Right. <laughs> That's a really big question and you don't want to catch somebody off guard with that one. <laughs> Set up the time. Here's what I'm looking for. Here's where it helps me so much to help someone grow and develop when they can identify, here's where I know I'm struggling, mm -hmm. where I know I need to get better. What can I do differently? Or here's what I'm really passionate about and it's not connecting well how can I do more work over here? Or how can I grow along this career path? I can give much better advice and insight when it's framed that way than if someone just asks generally for feedback. Oh, I think that's beautiful. So being very specific about what kind of feedback you want, maybe a specific project. Tell me about, you know, what did you see with my interpersonal skills as I led this project or I was in this project? Just be very specific. Yep. And what are your thoughts about, so, so now this employee has been in the company for, you know, a couple of years and really wants to spread his or her wings and look, still stay within the company if at all possible. Um, how do they sort of approach that with their boss so that they feel like they kind of can look elsewhere in the organization? So some of that's a little bit organization dependent. And that's where doing some really good work with your coworkers and learning your environment and your learning your team is going to be critical. A really good boss is going to want to grow more leaders. That's mm -hmm. where I know I'm successful when my team is successful. If my team is growing, then I'm doing my job well. Not, not all bosses are that way. <laughs> <laughs> so I was just going to say, but not everybody's quite there. And so that one does get trickier. You don't want your boss surprised if you're really trying to grow. So a little bit of organizational dependent on kind of how you approach your boss and when you approach your boss, if you're thinking about leaving. But I think the, the message is that you, if you think there's potential within that organization, you at least want to give your boss a chance to allow you to grow within that department, right? Absolutely. And this is where I see our millennials get frustrated more often than not. Um, it's that grass is greener symptom. Mm -hmm. I've been here for years. I'm bored. I know what I'm doing. So I'm going to go do something else now. And they jump pretty quickly. Um, quite often it seems a little bit driven out of frustration, but a lot of the grass is always greener. So I think at about a two-year mark, moving makes sense. Where I worry, in two years I say will make sense within the same company. Where I worry is I'll see resumes for someone in their 30s 
who has jumped every year to two years. Mm-hmm. They've never stayed anywhere long enough to solve a true problem. And so they become a little bit of a victim to that grass is always greener and it feels really good when you're in your early 20s to get that better off or go do something more exciting. There's a rush that comes with that. You're growing your relationship, you're growing your network. But when you're in your mid-30s and you're starting to really look for bigger growth, for leadership positions, for more in-depth, bigger scope, bigger responsibility roles, if you haven't stayed anywhere for more than a year or two, it's going to be very hard to demonstrate how you can solve problems. By the time somebody's midway through, we're really looking for people at that level that can show me not only did I identify a problem, but I stayed here, I stuck it out and fixed it. Exactly. You know, I tell folks, I I work with a lot of folks who have been out in the workforce a while and they maybe were in their last job for a short period of time. And their question to me inevitably is, what's that going to look like to an employer? And my answer is almost always that that's anomalous data unless there's some sort of pattern. And so I just worked with a client last week who'd had two short-term assignments, both of them she'd been laid off through no fault of her own. Um, This last one was a fairly large-scale RIF, and the one before was, it was a nonprofit, and it was a budget issue, and so I said, you know, you're right on that, you're right on that cusp, so what we want to make sure with this next position is that you stay there for a few years, and you, you kind of recoup that track record. Exactly. And if the changes are in the same company and they're promotional, that's great news to me. If I right. see somebody ambitious that's growing in place, that tells me that they are able to make those relationships to build that trust and accountability and really have a great brand and reputation that someone's chosen to grow them within their own organization. Now, if it's hopping all over the place, year after year, and maybe there are some bigger titles in there, I'm going to question if they were warranted titles, or Mm -hmm. it's a really good interview. (laughs) So what do you recommend with someone who gets into a situation that uh, we, we have one of those bosses that we just referred to that isn't trying to grow his or her people, who maybe is a little bit of a Um, you know, sometimes when you're insecure, it comes across, you don't want anybody to get very good in your department because they might take your job or make you look bad or one of those kinds of things. So what do you do? Is there a way to still stay in that job when that's your boss? So I think when that's your boss, one, you're learning how you don't ever want to be a boss. Yes. You're learning what you don't want to do. If you're in a situation with a challenging boss, I think there has to be some good soul searching that's happening. Is it a challenging boss and you're really not learning anything and your growth is truly stunted or is it a challenging boss because you have different personalities, mm-hmm. you have different styles and it's frustrating. Those are two different things. If there's truly no growth, learn where you are, learn as much as you can and perhaps start searching while you are still there. Yes. If it's a different management style or a different learning style and it's not your preferred way that someone would communicate with you, but you're learning and you're growing and you're being challenged in the work that you're doing and you're able to really give it your best work, 
I don't know that that's the time to move because at some point you will, every one of us will work with a boss who doesn't communicate. That's part of working with a lot of different people. It's just part of our world. What I hear you saying around that is that um, I think, I think one of the things that's so useful to do when you have a boss who is quote unquote difficult is to really look at yourself and determine a, what you're making that mean and B, you know, how much power are you giving this boss? Because I know, for one, I've been guilty in the past of giving my boss far too much control over my emotional happiness when, in fact, he or she totally has no control over my happiness. Um, that's 100% on me. And how they react and how they feel about things is 100% on them. What can you say about that? I think that's pretty spot on. And, you know, I'll put that HR disclaimer on it, right? I don't want people <laughs> feeling that they have to work in an environment that's truly toxic. No. People are doing things that are unethical. That's not appropriate. No one should have to work in that kind of an environment. But if, if we're just talking a basic communication challenge, right? Somebody gives instructions differently than you would like, or sometimes I hear the phrase micromanaging right. thrown out regularly. Okay. So what else can you still learn? Is the person a good ethical person to work for? Um, and that's where that internal searching has to come in. Absolutely. Really. We, we want to be very clear in saying that there, if there is a harassment issue going on, if there's a safety issue, I've had clients who have left jobs because they were asked to do something illegal or immoral Right. Um, those, those are, are okay. those should no. always be deal breakers, but Absolutely. say if it's a project and you're feeling micromanaged, especially at that 22 year old fresh job out of college, right? Maybe your boss really is micromanaging you because the project is so important that it can't go astray and it's their job to make sure it gets delivered on time. Sometimes feel like micromanaging what they're trying to do is make sure that the project they're accountable for really is moving along and you're still very new and you're getting used to one another. Exactly. Really. So um, understanding that you're not probably going to be given free reign when you've been there for six months and that a little right. bit of micromanaging maybe isn't a bad thing. Right. As long as it's done well and with good intentions, with growth and development that comes with it, and not truly a control freak. I <laughs> how to think of a nice way to say that. <laughs> control freak. I think that's the nicest thing we could say in that situation. So we've talked a little bit about getting feedback and performance evaluations, but let's say that someone finds themselves, which I've heard a lot from my clients in a situation where there is no formal performance evaluation system and their boss is just not in the habit. How do they get that critical feedback even in that circumstance? I think that's where you have to ask for it. And there is a lot of really interesting data and research and companies moving towards not doing regular performance evaluation. Really? that talk about how performance conversations should be built into the culture. And so why have one annual evaluation? Because the opposite can also happen for companies that are so driven by the performance evaluation. And the only time they talk about people's performance is once a year. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So 
having a performance evaluation or not to me isn't a deal breaker. That it's a very traditional corporate culture. Okay. We're seeing companies move away from doing it at certain levels in an organization. But if you're moving away from it, then that to me, the companies moving away from it and doing it well are the ones giving regular feedback. And this is also where you've got to not be afraid to ask. I worked with one leader at one point in my career where it took me a few minutes to figure it out and more than a few minutes, took me a few months <laughs> to figure it out. But their mindset was, if I'm not giving you feedback, because you're doing everything I need you to be doing. And if you need more from me, if you need help from me, I wish you would have just asked. I'd be happy to provide it, but I didn't know it was a problem. So sometimes managers manage many, many people. And so if you aren't getting regular feedback, you're not getting good feedback, you're not getting negative feedback, go ask for it. Because the manager's assumption is that they're getting what they need and they're meeting expectations. And if they needed help, they would have asked for help. I think that's, that's so true. I, I was thinking of when I was in my last managerial role at Truman, and I remember telling my staff regularly that I didn't see everything that was going on. And so if they had an issue or they wanted some feedback to come to me and get specific, you know, ask a specific question because I was going in a lot of different directions and, you know, wasn't necessarily narrowed in on, you know, their performance. But if they come in my office and say, let's talk about this, that I'm more than willing to do that. Absolutely. I've done very similar things for my team. I've, you know, my, my job takes me in tons of different directions, sometimes at the exact same time. And that's really on you as the candidate or as the new employee to be very clear in that in terms of having some goals for yourself. Not, I'm not talking about the goals that the corporation or the, the organization has imposed on you as part of your job. I'm talking about you having life goals and making sure that you're staying on track to meet those goals. And so, you know, don't expect your boss to be able to really help you and move forward in your career. If you haven't identified where you want to go either, why, how would they know? They, they might send you in a direction that makes sense to them and can be completely not what you want to do or, or in your, my, my new term is zone of genius. I'm using that a lot these days, but I really think that that's so true. That notion of operating fully in that place that kind of is the intersection of your the things you love to do the most and that you're the best at where you just forget about time and you're just, you're in the, sometimes it's called flow. Yes. And I think the other piece, a lot of people have to decide, especially if you're, if you're not working for yourself, if you're working for a corporate culture, right. In a, in a company of hundreds or thousands of people you might not get to be in that zone very often. <laughs> and you <laughs> not to start to with. Right, not to start with. And you have to decide where your tolerance is. And now I will say a good boss, a boss who is passionate about their team's growth, who gives good feedback regularly, that wants to see their team be successful, the people on their team be successful, is going to help guide you in how to get there. Now, where I see sometimes people struggle again is sometimes that comes with a hard message where I've had to tell people, not very good at this. 
If that's what you want to do, here's what you need to do differently. Or you really need to try it a different way. The way that you've done it doesn't work. And so when you have a good boss that's giving you really hard information, where I see it fail is when people get very defensive. That's not me. That's not what I meant. You're just not seeing it right. There's no growth there. Right. If you've got a good boss, you've got to take those harder messages to heart just as quickly as you would a lot of praise. And a good boss is not giving that to you to demean you in any way, but to, to help you to improve. And so it's really on you what you make that mean. And do you make it mean this is someone who cares about me, who wants to see me improve? Or do you make it mean I'm a terrible employee? I, I should quit right away. I'm no good. Right. And so the former answer is always the preferred one. <laughs> uh, I've, seen, I've seen very skilled, very talented, very good leaders deliver tough performance feedback and the person doesn't embrace it. No. And so if you want to grow, if you want to continue being successful and you run every time somebody gives you a tough message, it's really hard to keep growing. And people will quit giving you that message when they know that about you, that you don't take it well, that you get defensive or angry or belligerent or whatever your reaction is. The natural reaction is most people are going to pull back on that. They're not going to give that to you because they know it's not going to be any fun for them. And so you're going to really be missing out even further. So anything else you want to share with the listeners about how to get out of college and get into this first position and, and be successful. So my only other thought, and I think it's in Sheryl Sandberg's lean in book. It talks about thinking of your career, not as a ladder anymore, but as a jungle gym. (laughs) (laughs) The other thing I see with those new college grads is they have their set, their sights set on one thing. This is the job that I want. This is the title that I want. This is the salary that I want. And this is where I'm going to do it. Mm -hmm. And that's not always how the real world pans out. So if you think of that first job as just a stepping stone, it's just a start. It's a door opening. It does not define who you are for the rest of your life. They're so early in their careers, their priorities, and even their passions and what they like to do and enjoy doing will shift drastically over the years. I graduated with, um, from Truman with a friend who was a psychology major who now works in accounting. If you would have told her at graduation she was going to be an accountant, she would have told you no way. <laughs> but she got exposed to something in a career and was open to the possibility and loved it. Uh, I, I think that those, um, you know, squiggly line careers as opposed to the straight careers are so much more interesting. I think that, you know, and I think that most of our listeners, if you're, you know, if you're 22 to 30 years old, um, you know, hopefully your parents are kind of below that age that my parents were at where it was, you know, you stay with the same company for 45 years, you get the gold watch and you retire and you sit on your porch until you die. And which wasn't very long after that in those days, (laughs) life expectancy was such that, you know, retire. And then shortly thereafter you retire. 
And so that has changed so much. And I love kind of the notion of taking a really an entrepreneurial approach to your career and just really not that you're not fully engaged with your employer, but you're not getting married to these very, I always tell people with a bachelor's degree, go date, date careers, date jobs, and then break up after a few years and go date another one. Um, now you, you and I both have the masters, so we get engaged to our careers, but still people break up from their engagements every day. And guess what the PhD is? <laughs> PhD MD, put a ring on it. So there's no expectation that you stay with the same company or even the same career field for your whole career. And if you kind of look at your, your career from that entrepreneurial perspective, what do I want to do? What, what are my skills? Where do I want to go next? And give yourself permission to, to take that jungle gym kind of squiggly line approach. Go try something completely different. Who knows what you might find. Right. First job is simply a first job. I had forgotten that you worked at Target when you first got out of college. I completely forgot about that. You introduced me to the recruiters. Well, I know. See, that's why I should not have forgotten that. <laughs> well, I hope this has been helpful for, for you guys to get a little bit of sense from a human resources person of kind of what she sees when folks right out of college come into the work environment and some of the missteps that they make. My intention in this podcast is to not just talk about job search and job transition and, you know, resumes and interviewing and all of those things, but really to talk about how to manage your career. So in coming months, my intention is to have a lot more um, speakers um, in various, with various perspectives to talk to you about the career development piece and how you can manage your career throughout your career. Um, as always, I want you to um, leave me a comment. I want to be your career coach. So leave me a comment, ask me a question, and I hope that you'll rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. Um, Gloria, say bye. <laughs> bye. Thanks for having me. This was fun. Thank you so much. This was a blast. Everybody take care and I'll see you next week. You've been listening to the Exclusive Career Coach with Lisa Edwards, CEO of Exclusive Career Coaching. It would be great if you would rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. Also, I want to be your career coach, so be sure to ask questions about your career management challenges and job search situation. Until next time.